Adahao and welcome to the A Thousand Lives broadcast, the go-to podcast for all things related to Christian missions in China. This is Austin, your host and missionary to China with Vision Baptist Missions and the Vision for China team. For more information about Vision Baptist Missions, the Vision for China team, and how to take the first step on your path to making Jesus famous in China, head on over to visionforchina.org. That's V-I-S-I-O-N-F-O-R-C-H-I-N-A dot O-R-G. There you'll also find a slew of resources to aid you in both sharing the gospel with Chinese friends, as well as to help you encourage others to give their lives to making Jesus known in China. Well, last week was our Easter podcast special in which we got to glimpse the world through the eyes of Jasmine, a Chinese lady who knows nothing of Easter, and yet on Easter of this year was worshiping at another tomb. I don't want to give away the end of the story, but suffice it to say, she was not worshiping at an empty tomb. If you haven't checked out that episode yet, you're definitely going to want to do that as soon as you get the chance. Remember to never miss an episode of the A Thousand Lives broadcast, which release each Monday morning please go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. We are growing the number of platforms we're on, so whether you prefer the big guys like Apple or Google Podcasts, or one of the smaller platforms like Overcast or Stitcher, you can be sure to find us there. Just check out visionforchina.org slash podcast. That's V-I-S-I-O-N-F-O-R-C-H-I-N-A dot O-R-G slash P-O-D-C-A-S-T for a complete directory of where you can find us. And once you subscribe, go ahead and leave a review or comment as well. The more interaction the podcast gets on these channels, the more likely the platforms are to recommend it to others. And for you overachievers out there, go ahead and share the broadcast on social media, or maybe send a personalized email to that person you know who is teaching English in China currently, or that friend considering giving their lives to full-time missions. We with Vision for China are begging the Lord to raise up more preachers to boldly enter China, and we want to get the word out that there are more opportunities to serve the Lord in this awesome country. Sending someone this podcast might be the first time they've heard that there is actually a path to full-time preaching ministry in China. It may be that they've never heard of all the opportunities to glorify Christ through preaching and serving Him there in China. So go ahead and share with them. They'll probably thank you for it. Today, we are going to flip back through missions history for a look at the childhood of William Borden. Today, we're going to focus on his early years, specifically his trip around the world when he was just 16 and 17 years old, because that trip greatly shaped his decision to give his life to full-time service of Christ among Muslims in Western China. I'm sure some of you listening may already be familiar with the details of his whole life story, the tragic turn it took in his late 20s that led to his untimely death. As impactful as that part of his story is, we're actually going to save that for a future episode and here today simply focus on those earliest of years for William. There's actually a great deal that we can glean from his childhood that will highlight how the Lord so often works in a young heart to motivate it towards missions. After all, how does someone get called to the mission field? How does someone get called to China? Already on this podcast, you've heard many different stories about how the Lord worked in my heart and the hearts of Trent and Andy. I think it's important to point out that he works in different ways for each of us. While at the same time, a key component that he often uses is exposure to life outside of our hometowns and home country. What is it exactly about that exposure to other cultures that oftentimes stirs someone to give their life to reach it for Christ? How does what we see affect what we do? How does what we witness 
affect the direction of our steps? I pray that these questions will be answered as we dig into the fascinating childhood of William Borden, a millionaire turned missionary to China. Now, of course, before we hop in, let's take a moment to look at the Chinese region of the week. This week, we are praying for the province of Heilongjiang. Heilongjiang is China's northernmost province and is home to around 40 million people. The need in Heilongjiang, as all throughout China, is for more preachers to take up the mantle and enter in to boldly make much of Jesus. The capital and largest city of the province is Harbin, with a population of over 10 million people. Harbin is famous for its ice sculpture exhibits with dozens of sculptures made from ice. My wife and I had the privilege a few years ago to meet a national preacher who pastors a church in the city of Harbin. We know of his church and a few others there, but the need still stands for many more preachers to go boldly with the gospel. This province needs the gospel of Jesus Christ. Only a very small dent has been made so far in reaching this province for Christ. The majority of people have never heard the gospel. Friends, would you pray that God would do a work so that many people in Heilongjiang province can know the good news of Jesus Christ? It's yet another great place in China with countless opportunities to serve the Lord and preach Him. I cannot stress enough that there are endless opportunities to come to China and preach Christ. The field truly is ripe for the harvest. Brother, if you are listening right now and considering what the Lord's next step for your life might be, or if you are praying about serving Him on the mission field, I wholeheartedly encourage you to consider giving your life to making Christ famous in China. You will find dozens of millions of people all throughout China that have yet to hear the gospel. Wouldn't it be exciting to go to China and spend your days telling them the story of Calvary and God's love expressed toward them there? Would you pray for the people of Heilongjiang? Would you pray for them to hear the good news of Jesus Christ? Would you pray and ask the Lord to send them more preachers? Brother, would you offer your life to being that preacher and boldly publishing his name among them? Shortly after his untimely death, in his late 20s, the Princeton Seminary Review wrote of William Borden, No young man of his age had ever given more to the service of God and humanity, for Borden not only had his wealth but himself in a way so joyous and natural that it was manifestly a privilege rather than a sacrifice. I'm sure some listening in are familiar with the circumstances of this young man's death while learning Arabic so that he could reach Muslims in western China with the gospel. And as I've already mentioned, that is going to be a topic for a future time. But why would such a young man give his life to be used in such a way? How would he find himself there in Egypt, beginning to learn Arabic where he died there of meningitis? It all started when he was a teenager. William Borden was born in a very well-to-do Chicago family that was quite wealthy. His parents, particularly his mother, taught him the importance of prayer and Bible reading from a young age. He loved the Bible so much, in fact, that even his mother herself commented that she could always find young William reading his Bible before going to bed at night. In fact, Mr. Walter Erdman, who was his travel companion during his trip around the world, said that no matter how long the day of sightseeing might be, the boy never failed to close it with Bible reading and prayer. 
Keep in mind, this is when he's about 16, 17 years old. Bible reading really was a mark of his life. He was a very smart young man who graduated from basically an equivalent to high school at only the age of 16, being the youngest in his class and fourth as far as GPA. Towards the end of his last year at the school, he began mentioning in letters home to family that he was increasingly interested in international and foreign affairs, especially a war that had begun between Russia and Japan at the time. He was following it very closely in the newspaper. It seems that his interest in these events and others like it began to shift his thoughts eastward toward Asia. Shortly after his graduation, he and Walter Erdman set out on a round-the-world trip with the blessing of his parents. In fact, his parents thought this type of trip would be well worth his time before starting out in college. William's parents were immediately impressed with Walter Erdman, especially by the fact that he was recently graduated from Princeton University and Seminary, and they were most impressed by Walter Erdman's Christian character. They felt that having their son with him on this year-long, round-the-world trip, they felt like William would be in good hands with Walter. Finally, in September of 1904, the day came when William and Walter were to set out on a ship from San Francisco bound for Japan. It was actually here in San Francisco that William wrote home to tell his parents of his first encounter with Chinese people. He mentioned in his letter how he was meeting people that were dressed very differently from the American way of dressing and behaved very differently from Americans too. He was getting cross-cultural exposure even before he left the United States. While on the steamer over the Pacific, William was even able to mingle with missionaries who were on their way to their mission fields, such as Japan and the Philippines. He wrote in his letter home that he really enjoyed speaking with them and getting to know them on the voyage over. Then, they at long last landed in Yokohama, Japan, where William quickly discovered that as beautiful as the country might be, he admittedly found the people even more interesting. He regularly wrote home telling his family of the peculiar way people dressed and behaved themselves there in Japan. Now, don't get me wrong, he wasn't complaining at all. All. He was simply very curious and probably a bit fascinated by all he saw. Reading through many of his letters, there is a sense of him excitedly eating up and taking in all the cultural differences. Not only did he find the people different, he also found the religion in Japan to be shockingly different from what he knew back home. He was completely stunned to see the Buddha and other idols in their many temples. He was even more shocked to see people praying to and worshiping these idols. It absolutely broke his heart. His letters from Japan kept circling back to all that he was witnessing in these many temples throughout the country. Now, his parents had requested that while he was on the trip, he pray for God's very best plan for his life. And in one of his last letters home from Japan, he mentioned that not only had he been praying that way, but that he also had begun to seriously consider being a missionary. He told his parents, I think this trip is going to be a great help in showing things to me in a new light. I can't explain what my views were, but I met such pleasant young people on the steamer who were going out as missionaries, and meeting them influenced me. He went on to write in the same letter, while talking with them, we learned the work and the opportunities, so that I realized things as I never did before. When I look ahead a few years, it seems as though the only thing to do is to prepare for the foreign field. Friends, the Lord was working in his heart. I personally think that the Lord was using three things in his life to bring missions into sharp focus for him as he traveled. There was, of course, his Bible reading, which, according to Walter, took place each night before retiring to bed. Then there was his seeing the great spiritual darkness in many parts of the world. And finally, there was the occasional interaction with missionaries that showed him viable paths to get prepared for the mission field. He could talk to them, ask about their experiences, and learn how they got to the field. And then he could think, well, maybe I can do that as well. 
he saw that if they could do it, he could too. And I want to interject here and say that the Bible says in Lamentations 3.51, mine eye affects mine heart. And I believe that is exactly what was happening on this trip. Young William, keep in mind he is only 16 years old at this point, began to see the lostness of the people in these places. And his heart broke for these people that adhered to false religions that cannot save. Then, as he read his Bible, he had a continual reminder that God loves these people and desires that they be saved. He also surely read that God does that through the preaching of people sent to tell them. His heart was stirred by the Spirit of God to do something about it. Friends, you're out there listening right now, and I'd like to ask you a question. Have you ever been on a missions trip before? Have you ever been exposed to cultures radically different from your own before? While I don't think someone has to go on a mission trip to be called into missions, I certainly wouldn't say that, I do think that the Lord oftentimes uses trips like this to bring the needs of the world into sharp focus, showing us that there truly is a great need for more preachers and missionaries. Well, shortly after pinning that last letter from Japan, William and Walter departed for the next leg of their round-the-world trip and found themselves in Shanghai, China. He quickly wrote his mother from Shanghai telling her how impressed he was with how cosmopolitan the city is. He was absolutely soaking up everything he could about China. And just as he had in Japan, far greater than did he love the sights, he loved the people best. After time in Shanghai and Hangzhou, they got on a steamer up the river, but before making it very far, William found himself confined to a sickbed for a time in a hospital. His sickness kind of threw off a planned trip to Beijing, but he was still able to visit a few places there in China, Nanjing, and eventually Guangzhou after recovering. He wrote of Guangzhou, or as it was often called then, Canton, that he was fascinated by Chinese culture, particularly the culture there in southern China. He said the food shops and the people were absolutely amazing. Once again, while in Guangzhou, he had opportunities to meet many more missionaries. Reading through so many of his and Walter's letters from their trip, the three themes of scripture reading, sightseeing, and fellowship with missionaries come to the forefront regularly. Walter mentioned in one letter that he once found William poring over Genesis chapter 10, trying to piece together in his mind how all the families and nations mentioned there might fit with the places he was visiting. As William was traveling and seeing the world, he was constantly processing all that he saw through the lens of Scripture and realized at every turn that the need is great for more missionaries. As they continued on their way from China to India, then to Egypt, Palestine, Turkey, and eventually Europe, these three things remain constant. Bible reading, sightseeing, and fellowship with missionaries. And they all work together in the hands of the Holy Spirit to push and urge young William towards a life of missionary service. In fact, while in India, he made the comment, you can learn more from a missionary in a half hour than you can pick up yourself in a couple of months of travel. William was soaking everything up. He ended up writing to his mother from Egypt, I also pray that God will take my life into his hands and use it for the furtherance of his kingdom as he sees best. I have so much of everything in life, and there are so many millions who have nothing and live in darkness. I know it is no easy thing to serve the Lord, but others have been enabled to do so, and there is no reason why I should not. He signed that letter with the reference, Mark 10:27. All things are possible with God. 
Later, from Rome, Italy, he wrote to his mother, I am glad that you have told father about my desire to be a missionary. I am thinking about it all the time and looking forward to it with a good deal of anticipation. I know that I am not at all fitted or prepared yet, but in the next four or five years I ought to be able to prepare myself. He went on to talk about reading books written by missionaries, and he again emphasized the importance of Bible study and the importance of trusting in the Lord to direct his steps. The Lord was truly at work in his heart and moving him toward the mission field. When he and Walter arrived in London, England, they heard a preacher named Dr. Torrey preach on how to keep on with the Christian life. According to William Borden's notes, the message of Dr. Torrey had five points. Number one, look always at Jesus. Number two, keep confessing Jesus everywhere. Number three, keep studying God's Word. Number four, keep praying every day. And number five, go to work. And William jotted down this outline and wrote at the bottom of the page, The first four I am doing, and the fifth I will do. That day he wrote in his journal, Fine address. I was greatly helped and surrendered all to Jesus at the invitation. It was at this point that William determined he would give his life to serving the Lord as a missionary. Soon afterward, he returned home to the United States and began school where he would get the theological and practical training he needed before setting off to language school. After spending a year away from home as a 16- and 17-year-old young man, it was the Spirit of God taking the Word of God, the sights he saw in so many different cultures, and the fellowship he had with so many missionaries along the way that made his desire to take the gospel to the world grow. Friend, you're out there listening today and probably thinking that if you were a millionaire, you'd probably take a year-long trip around the world too. And while that is probably not a feasible option for everyone, I would encourage everyone listening in to consider taking a missions trip, especially if you've never taken one overseas before. What the Lord says in Lamentations is absolutely true. Mine eye affects mine heart. Brother, why not consider taking a short-term missions trip somewhere to experience another culture and see the need for the gospel up close? I, for one, would be ecstatic to have an opportunity to bring you to China to see what all the Lord is doing there. Currently, due to coronavirus-related travel restrictions, obviously a short trip to many parts of the world, including China, aren't quite possible just yet. But I would love to hear from you and fill you in on opportunities to visit China once things open back up, Lord willing, by summer of maybe next year, 2022. As William traveled from Japan to China, to India, to Egypt, to Palestine, to Turkey, to Europe, he quickly realized that there is a world of people out there who live in great darkness and haven't heard the good news of Jesus Christ. Would you give a few weeks of your life to seeing China firsthand? If you're interested, I'd love for you to reach out to me. Back in the summer of 2019, my wife and I were able to take a group to China for about two weeks and visit five different cities and introduce the team to missionaries there, all the while we were seeing sights, sharing the gospel, and discussing what the Bible has to say about missions. As soon as coronavirus restrictions lift, we are looking to do so again. You can email Vision Baptist Missions at info at visionmissions.com. That is I-N-F-O at V-I-S-I-O-N-M-I-S-S-I-O-N-S dot C-O-M. Or email me personally at A-U-S-T-I-N at R-E-A-C-H-I-N-G-C-H-I-N-A dot O-R-G. That's Austin at reachingchina.org. I'd love to talk with you about opportunities for short-term trips to China in the future. We'd also love to talk to you about the next steps you can take towards preaching Jesus in China, whether that next step be Bible training, ministry training, or language and culture training. We'd love to guide you on your path to making Jesus famous in China. 
Well, friends, as William was traveling around the world, Walter said the thing that remained constant for him was his reading of the Bible. The Bible is not only where we learn of God's offer of salvation, but is also where we learn of his desire to use us to preach that message to others. In Chinese, they say, Sheng Jing is the Chinese word for Bible. Brother, will you go to China to tell the people the message of the Sheng Jing? They desperately need more people in China who are mighty in the Sheng Jing that would be willing to go and preach it to them. Will you give your life to do so? If not you, then who? Well, this concludes today's episode of the A Thousand Lives broadcast. Be sure to tune in to next week's episode for a story from the life of a perhaps lesser-known missionary to China named Charles Brooking Hanna. This man was just two years into his professional football career in Australia when he gave it all up to go to China, where he ended up spending over 50 years of his life preaching Jesus. You won't want to miss it. If you haven't already, go ahead and hit that subscribe button for the A Thousand Lives broadcast so that you won't miss out on other exciting stories and interviews all centered on preaching Christ in China. Please remember to pray for the province of Heilongjiang this week. The people there need preachers who will go and preach the Shengjing to them. Thank you again for listening to the A Thousand Lives broadcast. This has been Austin, your host and missionary to China with Vision Baptist Missions and the Vision for China team. For more information about Vision Baptist Missions, the Vision for China team, and how to take the first step on your path to making Jesus famous in China, head on over to visionforchina.org. Again, that's V-I-S-I-O-N-F-O-R-C-H-I-N-A dot O-R-G. There you'll also find a slew of resources to aid you in both sharing the gospel with Chinese friends as well as encouraging others to give their lives to making Jesus known in China. Well, until next time, 再见。